Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. the reason why I'm taking the time to do this tonight, uh, in, in the, and I mentioned this in Sunday school, but in the efforts of not having to do this again, uh, trying to take the time and go through what we need to go through tonight to get this information out and understanding and where we know where we are in detail so that next year we won't have to take up a Sunday night service uh, for this, and I can point you back to a video and to a piece of paper that I'm going to give you here in just a moment, and you'll have all the information that you need. But at least one good time we needed explained to us uh, to where we are all on the same page and where we know uh, what we need to know about these things. So take your Bibles to Acts chapter number 6. We will make our way in just a moment to 1 Timothy chapter number 3. I'm letting you know that now so you can get there then. Uh, maybe if you're uh, someone who uh, may, it may take you a while to get there. So I want to keep that in mind. But let's read the Word of the Lord together and then I'm going to need two volunteers uh, to help me get some information uh, into the hands of our people. Uh, Acts chapter number 6, verse number 1, the Bible says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Uh, Then the twelve called the the, the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanter, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the Word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And we'll conclude our reading there for just a moment. Let's uh, let's have a few men come help me with this, and then we will have a word of prayer. Now, let me give you this instruction. I'm going to be putting a piece of a piece of information in your hand uh, that will be necessary for tonight's message, and for you going forward, it's a good piece of information to have. Uh, it's I spent a great deal of time working on it so you'd have the information in a concise way to where it will help me be able to move very quickly through some of these things tonight. However, let me say this. I know y'all are getting information, but let me say this. Fight the temptation to read that now. There will be a portion of the message where we will look at it together and we'll move through it very, very quickly. However, I want you, y'all pay attention, fight the urge to read through it now. You will read it and you won't hear a word I say tonight because you'll be reading that piece of paper. So let's not do that this evening. Uh, Let's look at the Word of God together and then we will make our way to that in just a moment. This morning we looked uh, at the aspect of this subject. on nominating church leadership. We talked about the purpose of nominating church leadership. And we talked about how in this this, uh, text here in Acts chapter number uh, 6 that there was a need that arose within the church. We did see that while this is speaking of in the context the original call and the original uh, selection, I use the word nomination, uh, the, uh, the original selection of the first deacons and then their subsequent ordination. While that is the context, I do believe that we see great principles here for all forms of servant leadership. Now I say that because what if if this is describing an office of a deacon in a general sense, just based on, see, in Acts chapter number 6, the Bible here is saying that these first deacons were qualified to serve because of their character qualities alone. The 
specific uh, or the specific instructions and qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter number 3. That came later. But in these early days of the church, these men were selected. There's the word deacon does not appear. We say that this is the first deacon uh, because of the office of pastor and deacon being the only two biblical offices of the church. However, what we find here is God using men that have great spiritual character to meet a need of the church and to do so in the form of service. It is leadership to those that they're serving, but it is servant leadership. And as this is describing servant leadership, I believe we see principles not just for the office of deacon alone, but for every form of leadership that the church needs to fulfill a role. And we saw that they are fulfilling a threefold role here in this passage. We saw that it met the need, uh, it met the problematic need, and it met the practical need. Number one, of the pastor of the church, represented by these apostles, they had a need. They had were had they were faced with this, the situation of possibly having to leave the Word of God, leave their evangelistic ministry, leave the preparation for that uh, to do the service elements of the church to take care of the physical needs of the people. So it had a need for the for uh, the pastor of the church. Those apostles would be representative of that. But they also met the need of the people of the church and these these uh, he, these Hebrews that were being neglected because of these servants that were called, were nominated and selected, they were no longer being neglected. Uh, there was a need that was, was, was solved there. And so it met the need of the pastor of the church, the people of the church, but then it met the, uh, met the need of the progress of the church. That was verse 6 and 7. Because everyone was able to focus on their area of ministry and their area alone instead of one or two people trying to bear all of the load. See, the apostles, a handful of people bearing all of the load caused the problems in the first place. But delegation and nomination and then for deacon subsequent ordination allowed verse number 6 and 7 to happen uh, where the Bible says and when they set, uh, whom they set before the apostles when they prayed they laid their hands on them. Uh, verse number 7 says and the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so God's word is getting out. Folks are being saved and followers of Christ are increasing there just simply because everyone now has their own ministry that they are responsible for. A busyness. Remember we dealt with that. Verse number 4 talked about whom we may appoint over this business. A business means something to be busy about. Amen. A ministry that was to be their element, their role of being busy for the Lord. And so that is the purpose of nominating church leadership. Uh, tonight I want us to look at uh, two things, but we will begin with the plan here in these verses for nominating church leadership. Having seen the purpose, I want us to look at the plan. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer together. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come into the, your presence, Lord. Thankfully, Lord. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the good day you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for the afternoon you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for a wonderful service this morning and how you, God, you just blessed in a great and mighty way. Father, I pray, dear God, in the name of Jesus, that your will would be done in all things. I pray, dear God, that you would forgive me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit, use me for your glory. Help me, God, to be a blessing. Help me, Lord, as I try to, to, to teach these things this evening. I pray, dear God, that you'd help me to preach the word of God and teach these things, uh, Lord, to your people. I pray that it would be informative. I pray, uh, God, that it would answer the questions that people may have. Lord, I pray, dear God, that it would let us go into this time, Lord, more informed about what we're doing than we've ever been. And I pray, dear God, that your will would just be done in a great and mighty way. Please, Lord, I pray, empower me, Lord, to do a work for you. Empower us, God, to do exactly what you would have for us tonight. And Father, I do pray, if there's one here that lost you, that's lost, you'd save. And one here that's backslid, they get right. And one here that is saved by the grace of God and has a need in their life. I pray, dear God, that you'd meet it as only you can. Give us clarity, I pray. And Lord, I just pray, uh, God, that you would take over this time. Touch my lips, touch my voice. Help me, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth. And help me, Lord, to rightly convey what you have for us to convey to our people tonight. And Father, we'll thank you, Lord, for what you do. In the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 
and amen. We, we've seen, as I've already stated, the purpose of nominating church leadership. Now let's go on to the plan. This passage of Scripture in Acts chapter number 6 not only gives us the purpose of nominating church leadership, but it also gives us the plan of doing so. The plan that is seen in this text tells us how a church is to nominate those who are going to be the servants of God, serving the congregation in what we would call church leadership, a form of servant leadership. When a church needs to nominate its leaders, it needs, according to this passage, like I said, I'm hurrying through some of this, but a church needs to do three things. They must follow three steps. Notice what the Bible says in verse number three. Step number one is they must survey. Notice what the Bible says here and in verse number three. So the Bible, verse number one, it gives us the problem. Verse number two, then the twelve called the apostles, or excuse me, called the multitude rather of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So the problem here has been identified. And here in verse number three, they find the solution. They are initiating a plan to fix the problem. Verse number three, here's what they were told. Wherefore, brethren. So this is a body of saved believers here. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint uh, uh, over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and uh, to the ministry of the Word. The Bible here says that there was a survey that was to take place. In other words, they were to look from within the, their own congregation and look within their congregation for the ones who met the appropriate criteria. They were to survey. Look ye out among you. Doesn't say look at other people's congregations. It says among you, among yourselves. So there is a survey that's taking place. As we do what we're going to do tonight, and as we nominate our church leaders, the first step is there has to be a consideration of those in this room. There has to be a consideration of those that are a part of our church body and whether or not they meet the criteria uh, to be one of our, uh, our of our church leaders. And we have, uh, we have uh, through the scriptures and through our own uh, church documents that we have established many years ago that every member of this church should be very, very familiar with. Those documents have set the rules in place as to how we do this in accordance with the Word of God. Of course, these passages I'm giving you, I'm giving you by way of principle, by way of application. We do see these principles here and the very first time that they did it. Notice in verse number 3, and I'm not going to preach these necessarily right now, but here the Bible says that the criteria for these men in this earliest moment of some sort of church organization, before this there was very little church organization outside of the apostles themselves starting churches. This is still very early in the uh, history of the New Testament church. This is the first step into the early church's organization. So everything is still very general. It is still very nonspecific. And it is all based upon character. And by the way, when you are choosing servants and when you are choosing leaders, amen, the, ver the most important thing that you must consider is an individual's character. Amen. Uh, not whether, and I mentioned this this morning, not whether they're your favorite person, not whether they're family or friend, not any of that, but you consider an individual's character more than any earthly attachments. And then, of course, as we stated this morning, whether or not they would be willing to be busy about the work if they weren't called upon to do so. So step number one is to survey. Step number two is to suggest. That is what we're going to do tonight. Here, verse number three, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. I believe the we there is talking about the church as a whole. The apostles and 
those that are doing the nominating, the apostles, the, lead, the, the pastor, if you will, and the church body. I believe that encompasses the we, not just the apostles alone. The Bible says full of uh, honest report, uh, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of wisdom. They've got to have a good testimony. They've got to be full of the Holy Ghost, which means that they, that as far as you can tell, as an individual, being full of the Holy Ghost, I've always said it simply, is you're letting the Holy Ghost be in the driver's seat of your life. You're not being a backseat driver. You're not You're not doing as, as, as I have done uh, often. If my wife, when my wife drives me around and tell her how to drive, amen, and like she does, if I ever drive, amen, she'll try to tell me how to drive. None of that, amen. We let the Holy Ghost uh, be in the driver's seat, amen. Remember, I, several years ago, I preached a message about being full of the Holy Ghost and letting God be in the driver's seat. We can't even be in the, we can't even be in the passenger seat or in the back seat. We've got to be in the trunk, amen, and uh, can't have any control over the situation. So when you're looking for someone characterized to serve as a leader in the church, you want somebody that has a good, clean testimony. The report of those from within the church says that they're an honest person. That says that they live right and they do right. And I don't even think it's a bad idea if folks on the outside of the church recognize that as well. Amen. But then in their life, as far as you can tell, that the Holy Ghost of God is leading and directing their life and working in their life. And then the Bible also adds, and full of wisdom. It wouldn't be very smart of us to put a dummy in positions. Amen. We need somebody that has wisdom, not just knowledge, but you know, knowledge is just having information. But wisdom is knowing how to handle the information that you have. We have a whole lot of people in our world today uh, that have access to lots of knowledge, but have very, if any, very little, if any, wisdom. They've got a lot of information, but they don't know how to handle the uh, knowledge they have. Now, I know this is very political, but I believe that our president has access to a lot of information. Uh, I'm just not too convinced that he knows how to handle the information he gets. Amen. And, uh, you know, and there you can say that about any political party. There's things that I think all of them have done uh, wrong in their own ways. I think they could have used more wisdom regardless of political party. Uh, so character is so important. But there is a suggestion that's being made here. He mentions those qualifications as uh, the premise upon which they will know who to suggest. And so there are criteria. This is very basic. We'll look at some specifics here in just a moment. But then look at verse number 5. The Bible says in the saying, please, the whole multitude. By the way, that's rare in church. Amen. And uh, anyway, that, that went over like a lead balloon. But that's rare in church. That is the saying, please, everybody. Amen. Uh, but the Bible says the saying, please, the whole multitude. And then the Bible says this, and they chose. So I need you to look out among yourselves, and I need you to uh, choose, if you will, seven men of honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. And the Bible said that they chose. That's why I believe that it was the church as a whole, or else the apostles wouldn't be looking at them and saying, look you out among yourselves. What are they doing if the apostles are the only ones doing, doing the choosing? Excuse me. The only ones doing the choosing. So I believe this is a choice of the whole congregation. That is one of the reasons why I believe nomination and then election is so important. The nomination allows the ballots to be created from the choice that you made. And, you know, I, I've had folks ask the question uh, concerning previous years uh, about uh, did I select who goes on the ballot? Not last year. The ballot was created by the names that you chose. I didn't put my opinion on those ballots at all. All I did was I took your nomination ballots. I can show it to you if you're interested. I created a spreadsheet of the different positions and all the names and how many votes they got. And then all of the ones that received votes, all of them that said they were interested appeared on the ballot. That's the way it works. You know, if I come to, and I did, I did this with several folks last year, I called them and I said, you were, or I met them in my office one of the two ways, I said, you were nominated for such and such position. If the church elected you to serve in this position, would you be interested in serving? When if I talked to someone and they said, preacher, I don't, believe, I don't believe I'd be interested in that, then their name got removed from consideration. But if I have three or four names that said, you know what, I'm interested in being, you know, treasurer, for instance, I'll just throw that out. We have 
three or four names on the ballot that you'll get on December the 11th for election, you'll have three or four names. And then you will also have a, line, a blank line underneath it that says, or write in your own choice. And so the, the ballots that we're doing tonight, you will be creating the elect tonight, you will be creating the election ballot that will appear on December the 11th. So it is a time of suggesting. That is what we're doing. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. They chose Philip. They chose Prochorus. They chose Nicanor. They chose Timon. They chose Parmenius. They chose Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They chose those individuals. And they were the ones that in verse number 6, the Bible said that they set before the apostles. In other words, and I mentioned this this morning, they said, the, this is our choice. These are the ones we want. The nomination created those that were eventually chosen and brought before the apostles for confirmation. And we see this here. And the Bible said, when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And in the realm of a deacon that laid their hands on them is not only prayer, but it is also an indication scripturally of ordination. Uh, there's, there's a preacher that, that I've, uh, that I've spoke, to, spoke to recently that said that uh, mentioning about uh, deacon ordination, I don't want to get too much into why we were talking about that, but it was, it was a reason why we were talking about it. If I get too much into the details of it, you'll know who I'm talking about. So I don't want you to know who I'm talking about. And I don't think he wants you to know either. But we were having a conversation about ordaining deacons, and he said that we were the first independent Baptist church that he'd ever seen that ordained deacons. And I've never had an individual conversation with him about it, but I don't understand why that is, because it is deeply scriptural. All throughout the scriptures there are ordination of deacons. And so there's an ordination, ordination of God called ministers, God called preachers, and then here there is an ordination of a deacon. And we are told how to do that here in these verses. And so I, I see it as very scriptural here. But anyway, I hope you see that their first step is surveying verse 3, and then uh, there is suggesting. As we'll sit here tonight, we'll fill out these uh, nomination sheets and for just a moment, and according to these verses, we will be doing what they did here, and we will be suggesting those that we believe meet criteria, and then uh, the criteria that needs to be met, and that they will serve our church to meet the needs of these various areas within our church. With that being said, if you're going to suggest who needs to be suggested, you've probably got to know what the criteria is. You probably got to know. If you're going to nominate people who meet the criteria, you've got to know what the criteria is. So let me begin by saying something about the basic criteria for church leadership. We see it here in Acts chapter number 6. Honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, full of faith. In verse number 5, verse number 3, when it talks about being over this business, that means that they're going to be over it. They're going to oversee it. They're going to handle it well. That means they're going to take care of their role effectively. So honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, full of faith, taking care of their role efficiently. Uh, then I believe that it means that they're going to be servants to the church and they're going to be in submission to the pastor. Verse number three uh, it says, we, speaking about the church, when they were called upon, they were called upon uh, to be servants to the church. And then in verse number six, the Bible said, whom they sent before the apostles, not only did they have to have the church's approval, uh, but they also had the, the representative here of the pastor's approval. So they serve the church and they serve uh, their pastor as well to the best of their ability as they serve the Lord. They follow the pastor's leadership since they are, are representatives of his ministry and they are serving in his stead as his representative to the church that God has called him as the pastor to be the overseer of. When these, uh, when these offices are being filled, literally what you are doing is you are taking part of the overall uh, need uh, ministry needs of the church. It's being, I am allowing it and the church is allowing these positions to be delegated to you so you can be over them. So instead of me running the day-to-day -day operation that you, I can receive a report from you and still effectively know 
how the church is functioning and how the ministry is functioning and what the needs are and how we can meet the needs. So what is taking place here is when you enter into these roles, you are representing, uh, you are a representative of my ministry here and of the Lord's overall ministry here as we try to serve together for the, the ministry that God's called us to. Number seven, that you are to make uh, the ministry to the church a priority. Verse number three uses the word over. Look at verse number four. The Bible says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Continually here means uh, that the pastor, because of their work and their faithfulness and their leadership, can continually give himself to prayer and the ministry of the word. That must mean that these that are being called upon to serve and meet the needs of the congregation must continually be busy about what they are being called upon to do as well because if they are being called to meet a need and they stop meeting the need then guess what the preacher will have to do what they were afraid here of having to do he'll have to leave prayer and leave the word of God and fill the gaps that are not being filled so if the man of God is going to be able to continually do what he's supposed to do then those in the church leadership must be continually doing what they ought to do and the word continue here is denoting that it is a priority to them. They're giving it a premier place in their life. It means that they will faithfully do what they are supposed to do and that their pastor and their church will never have to wonder if their task is being completed that they, the pastor and the church will never even have to think about whether the task is being completed. The pastor will be able to keep his mind on prayer and the word and the church will be able to keep their mind on their specific roles in their specific ministry and doing what God would have for them to do and making sure and not having to make sure that the task of others has been completed. So the basic criteria is honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, full of wisdom, take care of your role efficiently, be servants to the church and in submission to the pastor, make your ministry to the church a priority. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse number 2 says, and I believe this is a basic criteria for every area in life, especially in the Christian life, faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The word steward means physically, it means a manager, a manager of a household, a superintendent, an overseer. And by the way, is that not exactly what was being described? Whom we may appoint over this business, uh, so we may have someone to steward this work spiritually, a steward as a holder of a commission in the service of the gospel. It literally, think about this now, isn't this interesting with what we're preaching tonight? The word steward literally carries the idea of an officer. Someone that is in position serving. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So if we're going to have criteria, basically those are the basics. Now let me real quickly, and I don't have time to go through this the way that I would like to, but take your sheets with me for just a moment and look at some of these. Now I'm not going to go through these in great detail. The first few of these are, they are requirements for officers, listen close, because they are requirements for members. The majority of that first page is not just for those in leadership, it is according to our bylaws, and I believe our bylaws represent the scriptures as well. These are requirements for every person to simply be a member of Beacon Baptist Church. Must be a member in good standing with Beacon Baptist Church. It means you've genuinely been saved and born again. It means you've been biblically baptized. That is by full immersion. Uh, that is going all the way under the water, not sprinkled or poured. Uh, following your salvation and not before. If you, got, if you got baptized before you genuinely got saved, yes, you must be baptized again. Not because we're trying, even if it was by immersion, because baptism is 
to follow salvation. Genuinely born again, biblically baptized. According to Article 3, Section 1 of our Constitution, you must be publicly voted on in a given church service by a majority of the current members of that service. And so every member here has been voted on to be a member of our church. And then you are to, this is, this is the classic definition of being a member in good standing of Beacon Baptist Church. It means you're not currently under church discipline. Being disciplined is not being in good standing. When I discipline my children, they're not in good standing with me at the moment. I love them, but they're not in good standing. So if you're born again, say, biblically baptized, you were voted on into the membership of this church, and you're not currently under church discipline, you do, you're doing really, really good on that first step there in membership. And so, by the way, uh, one of the one of the, the reason I say is that you must be a member in good standing is because our officers are to come from within our flock. If you're not a member here, you're not going to be an officer of our church. I believe that's in the Bible. I believe it's in, I know it's in our bylaws. And so we see that. Number two, you must agree with our statement of faith. I'm not, uh, this is directly out of our Constitution, Article 2, Section 1. And uh, that list there is just some basic things that we believe. You've got to agree with us about the Bible, the Trinity, Christ, the Holy Ghost, the depravity of man, which simply means that mankind has fallen through Adam, inherited a sin nature that alienates us from God, and that we are so lost that we cannot redeem ourselves. You must agree with what we believe on salvation, eternal security, and, sal and assurance of believers, what we believe about the church, what we believe about the separation of a Christian, uh, the second advent of Christ, which is talking about the rapture of the church uh, being premillennial and, uh, and pre-tribulational, what we believe about the eternal state, the eternal state of man in eternity, what we believe about Satan, creation. We are not, we do not believe in evolution. We do not believe in the gap theory. We do not believe in the day age theory. We do not believe in any of that. Uh, we believe in six literal days of creation. What we believe about civil government, human sexuality, divorce and remarriage, abortion, missions, lawsuits between believers and giving. Each of those are the basic category headings in our bylaws of our statement of faith. If you agree with what we believe here at Beacon Baptist Church and you're a member of our church, and by the way, you've got to believe those things to be a member of our church, then you can check off that second box of being on the way to not just membership, but leadership. I'm not going to take the time to read this. You can read it on your own time. I will encourage, let me say this. I want to encourage if you never have, or it's been a while since you have, read that, that uh, couple of paragraphs there, must agree and live according to our church covenant. I don't know how many of you even realize that churches have a church covenant where we agree together about how we're going to live for the Lord. Uh, this is a very convicting portion of text within our bylaws. And I, when, I, when, when I have someone come to me for membership, they fill out a piece of paper for church, an application for church membership. And when they fill that out and bring it to me, I hand them or email them a copy of our bylaws. And I tell them to read it carefully. And I tell them to read it, uh, to, to read it to where they know what we believe and how we handle business. And this is one of the things that they have to read and agree with before I will move to the next step, which is having a meeting with them, discussing their uh, salvation testimony and the various spiritual gifts that they may have to be utilized in the church. All of that happens before we stand here and bring them before the church. So read that. It is very convicting. And all, I will summarize it all in saying this. They're doing their best to live a holy and clean life before the Lord. They're doing their best to love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ here, to be faithful and serve God and be faithful to serve God's people. And so there is that. Number Number four, and this is Article 3, Section 2 of the Bylaws. These are listed as the duties of a member in, in, in addition to our living out our church covenant. This is, by the way, when you become a member, according to those bylaws, this is what you're covenanting to, covenanting to do. To love, honor, and esteem the pastor, pray for the pastor, recognize the pastor's authority in spiritual matters of the church, cherish a brotherly love for all members of the church, to support the church in prayer, tithes, offerings, and with other financial support as the Lord enables, in accordance with biblical commands to uh, commands to live a lifestyle walk affirming the beliefs and practices of Beacon Baptist Church. That, what you, that is what you're saying that you'll do. All of that just deals with membership and membership alone. When our bylaws say an officer's got to be a member, all of that is, in, is encompassed in that, okay? I've already preached verse number five, or point number five, so I'm not going to do that. Number six, um, this is something that we, as the leadership of Beacon Baptist Church, have established that we require all of our officers 
officers to do. Now when someone joins the church, I do not make them sign the bylaws, but when someone is voted into an office of the church, I print out this exact list and I make them sign their name to it. So everybody that has been in office, they've heard this, they've seen this, they've known this. Anyone else will nominate, I will ask you specifically to sign your name to this piece of paper and I have it on file so that I know that when it comes to you being an officer of the church, you read this and you knew this and you committed to this. And by the way, this doesn't just apply to officers of the church. I inherited this from Brother Caldwell. Brother Caldwell required this. Uh, I think Brother Tommy, you had a big hand in drawing up this document and making it public uh, for our church. And it's back there on the, in the back hallway. If you've ever read it, it's there in the back hallway as we speak. Someone that is going to be in the public ministry, that includes choir, that includes uh, specials, that includes anything. It doesn't include just simply coming to church, and this does not apply to visitors, but if you're going to be involved in the public ministry of our church, and people are going to look to you as a leader in our church in some way, and you're going to be publicly in front of others representing our church, number one, there must be an attitude of submission. We're not interested in any, in, in, in any uh, uh, rebellion here. There's got to be an attitude of mission. Okay? Uh, it's got to be a good testimony. I've already stated that. Uh, you've got to be faithful to church. Uh, and let me, I put this on here in depth. Let me explain to you what faithful to church means. I had explained to me that faithfulness means you're here more than you're not. Uh, that's what faithfulness means. However, specifically, this is what faithfulness means. Sunday school. If you're not faithful to Sunday school, you're not faithful. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and not or, and Wednesday night. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and any and all church-related events and meetings. If that is the case, and you're there for that, you're faithful. Okay? And I'm not trying to step on any toes. That's what faithfulness means. Let me go a step further. Let me talk a little bit about what faithfulness uh, There are exceptions that allow someone to not be here. These exceptions are, Brother Tommy, this is what I've added to your list. Okay? Brother Tommy created a Sunday school Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I think I might have added the church-related events. I think I might have added that. And then I know I added this description. Anything in parentheses I added when I came. Only exceptions in Include sickness that hinders physical church attendance. Stubbing your toe is not a sickness. Having an ingrown toenail is not a sickness. Mistakenly painting your fingernail the wrong color is not a sickness. Okay? You'd be surprised how many people, especially since COVID, have had things that are sicknesses that are not sicknesses. If you want to know what is a, what is a sickness that hinders your church attendance, if it is a sickness that hinders your Monday morning church, uh, uh, work attendance, then it's worthy to hinder your Sunday church attendance. If it doesn't stop you from going to work on Monday, it's, listen to me now, it should not stop you from coming to church on Sunday. If it didn't stop you from going to work Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, then I expect to see you here on Wednesday night. And that's the way, that's the way it is, if you're going to be faithful. Okay? So, uh, church attendance. Now, let me go on past sickness. Sickness that hinders physical church attendance. Uh, if you're going to be faithful to church online, live streaming does not count. That's not faithfulness to church. Okay? If you're sick and you're throwing up and you've got all those, if it's going to stop you from going to work on Monday, uh, then stay at home, watch the live stream, and we're glad that you got some semblance of spirituality in the midst of being on the, do on the doorstep of despair, okay? And, and death for some of us sometimes, amen? So that's what that's for. It's not to replace church attendance. It is not church attendance. Amen. So, next, work-related. I want, I want you all to hear me cl clearly say this, okay? Because there is a lot of missing for work. I'm going to state this, and I'm going to state this one time. Work-related situations where the member cannot make church even with proper pre-planning or in which they may be disciplined uh, by their employer, uh, that is when work becomes an exception. 
Okay? Uh, if you have an emergency, uh, in the hospital industry, people are dying all the time. People may be needed in the hospital industry. I understand that. But there's a lot of times to where we've got situations, whether it's work or otherwise, that simple, diligent pre-planning would have allowed you to be here if you would have done the due diligence to do so. Okay? My pastor expected that of me, and I think it's right to expect that of all of our members, especially those that are going to be in public ministry here. And then I added this, and the occasional family vacation. Now, I've known some folks in other churches, in my home church even, uh, they took 15 vacations a year. At some point, you're not being faithful to church if you've got 15 vacations a year. The occasional family vacation, in which situation you should be joining another church of like faith for worship? If you go on vacation and you don't darken the door, if you're there on a Sunday or Wednesday and you do not darken the door of a church, don't come to me and talk to me about how faithful you are to church. I don't stop going to church on Sundays and Wednesdays just because I don't leave my Christianity in Lexington when me and my family go to Tennessee. When we, every single time in our existence, except for one time when the churches, all of the churches in the area in Tennessee we went were closed due to COVID, that was the only time in our entire marriage that we went on vacation and did not walk through the doors of somebody's physical church. I don't even think that live stream is faithfulness when you're on vacation. You can be a blessing, a huge blessing to another church by being faithful to a physical local assembly when you're out of town for vacation. Me and my wife went on vacation one time and there were th three or four members in the church we went to and we were the only people there. And we were the only reason, Brother Tommy, that they had church that night. They were about to go home. My family was the only one there. My wife played piano for them that night because, and they hadn't had the piano played in a long time. Consider that when you go on vacation. What church is of like faith is nearby that I can be a blessing to that pastor having a, a little bit to his attendance added, having another amen added, having somebody that cares to be there even on vacation. It'll give you a great testimony and allow you to be faithful to the Lord. And then, of course, dressed appropriately. And you know, guys, I, I'm, not the, I'm not the guy that's going to be harping and harping and harping on this, but I do believe if you're going to be up here, if people are going to have to look at you, you need, to look, you need to look right. You need to dress right. You need to have the right kind of attire. Okay? And that is listed there on that paper. Dressed appropriately to all church services and church-related functions. Men, that means no hair, uh, or excuse me, hair off of your collar. Uh, you don't have uh, hair down to your shoulders or past that. Uh, you've got it off of your collar. Uh, no earrings, button-down shirts that are appropriate, long pants and shoes. And by the way, this is not for visitors. If you see somebody with, with long hair or earrings and they come in they're a man and they have that uh, shake their hand give, show them love give them a hug amen <coughs> but I'm talking about our officers I'm talking about people that's singing in our choir I'm talking about people that's serving in our church this is the best image that we can give of our church and of Christ to those that come in. So no earrings, properly buttoned shirts. We're not, we don't need to have men with shirts. If you're not wearing a tie and you just got on a shirt, don't have it unbuttoned down to the navel, okay? Uh, save some of that for your wife to view and for nobody else. Uh, you may be a strapping young man. You may be a handsome guy. You may have put in several hours at the gym. But can I just be honest? I'm not interested in it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So let, let's, let's keep that. Long pants. I, 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 believe that, I believe that's the best way we can have it. And shoes. Amen. Shoes are very important. I don't need to get into why shoes are important when you're around other people, but they're important. Everybody's feet's different. They're important. <laughs> Women. <clears throat> Women next, men, that's the proper attire. Women, blouses, tops, nothing low cut. Skirts or dresses that extend below the knee. Uh, when sitting or standing, I, I hate that I have to mention that every time. But how many, how many of you have seen ladies to where their dresses may come down to their knee when they're standing, but it doesn't come down to their knee when they're sitting? If you're going to sit down, it's going to rise. The Bible says that nakedness is the space between your loins and your thigh. If any of this is showing... When you're sitting or standing, any of this here, you, the Bible says you're naked in the eyes of God. God doesn't want to see that. If God who created that doesn't want to see that, none of us need to see it either. 
and I'm not trying to be graphic here, that part of your body, if you're married, is reserved for just your spouse, and that's it. If you're not married, if you're a teenager, that part of your body is for your husband one day, is for your wife one day. Nobody else should ever have to see that. And that's not just when you're in church. That should be, if God says that's nakedness, anywhere you go, you need to make sure you're not naked when you leave the house. Dads, we need to make sure our daughters are not leaving naked. I hate to say this, but we're in the day, guys, where we're, daddies, where we've got to make sure our sons aren't leaving the house naked. I, I mean... I can't imagine a grown man getting to some of the shorts that these guys find a way to slip into. I'm not interested in it, amen? And uh, it's, it definitely doesn't honor the Lord. So no revealing, no revealing splits and shoes. Uh, that's what I'm going to say on that. It's printed there. I uh, hope you'll take it to heart. And then they must acknowledge, this is the last thing I'll deal with tonight, they must acknowledge and be willing to perform all of the duties of their office to the best of their ability with the Lord's enabling. These people that we're putting on the list tonight, that's all they're going to be asked to do. Uh, if, the, if, they, if you nominate them because you believe that they meet the criteria, and I've tried my best to be brief, but also to be very clear as to what the criteria is. By the way, I, I had this written at the top of this document. Everything on this document comes from several sources. It comes primarily from the Word of God, and when it comes from the Word of God, I've put down chapter and verse where it comes from. Number two, it comes from our own constitution and bylaws that we created at the church when we founded this church church on that original document. And then number three, it's come from that piece of paper that is there in the hallway that we have for all of those that are going to be put in public, uh, publicly representing our church. So here are the five positions that we have as of right now of church offices. The only ones that are not represented here, of course, number one is the office of a pastor. That's not represented here. Uh, Minister of Music is not represented here. A minister of music is someone that I leave in that position because I think they're the one that needs to be in it. It's an appointed position. And uh, the office of associate pastor, assistant pastor, uh, that is also was appointed by Brother Caldwell. And until there's a need to redo any of the appointments, Brother Tommy's the music director, Brother Lewis is the assistant pastor here, until there's ever a need to where the nomination needs to be pulled, uh, we're not doing that. So we're not voting on those, okay? And Brother Lewis in the past has mentioned to me about doing it, but there's no need, there's no need for us to do that. And uh, I appreciate both our minister of music and assistant pastor. Look here at these, and I'm going to quick, quick, quickly go through these. First uh, Timothy 3, 7 through 15 uh, gives us the list of the qualifications for a deacon. Uh, that is about half of that list you see. And then the Constitution, Article 5, Section 2 gives us the other half. And uh, so that is there for deacon. And I, I want you to look at these lists. Uh, the lists here, some of these are shorter, uh, but you look at the, the, the paragraph for deacon, uh, it's it's very important who you select to be your deacon, uh, who you select to be your minister of records, who you select to be your minister of finance, who you select to be minister of Sunday school, who you select to be minister of hospitality. All of those things are very important because remember, these are very real church needs, very real spiritual needs that have to be met. The people we're nominating, we're nominating them to be the vehicle by which God uses to meet these needs on behalf of our ministry. So a deacon, number one, must be grave. That means to be spiritually minded. And I put these in abbreviated form. You can read them how they appear in the scriptures uh, at your own time. Grave means to be spiritual, to be serious-minded, in particular about the things of God. It means that the number two, they need to not be double-tongued. They do not speak out of both sides of their mouth. They are not hypocritical in their speech. Not an individual that says one thing and does another. They are honest in their speech. Uh, what they say is what they mean. Their word is their bond. Number two, they're not to be given to much wine. Now, I don't have time. This can be an entire message in itself. This does not mean that a deacon can drink a little bit of wine. The Bible says that, uh, says in 1 Timothy chapter number 5 and verse number 23, uh, Paul used the phrase to Timothy, use a little wine for, the st for your stomach's sake. Much wine is the opposite of little wine. I think we can all say much is the opposite of little. When he said use a little wine for your stomach's sake, Paul was telling Timothy to do that because they did not have stomach medicines yet. Wine 
wine was being used for medicinal purposes. That's why he did not say take a little wine or drink a little wine, but he said use a little wine. It was to be used as medicine. So to not be given too much wine means that as it is the opposite of little wine, it specifically in context means that they are not to misuse medication. I believe that this applies to them not having an addictive personality and that they do not struggle with keeping moderation in and of life. They are able to live moderately. They don't have to go to extremes and be extravagant. It helps them in the area of their service. They're not to be greedy or filthy lucre. That means they're not to be ungodly in their relationship with money. They do are not interested in becoming a deacon so they can maybe have their hands or have decisions in church funds to where they can try to manipulate for personal gain. By the way, position of a deacon is not any kind, it has no power associated with it all. It's a position of servitude. Holding the, 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 the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. That means that they know the truth, they believe the truth, and they live by the truth so that they can have a pure conscience. A deacon that you'll vote on needs to know what the truth of God says. Needs you, to, to, you need to uh, be able to look at them and say, from the best of my ability, I believe they're trying to live by the truth of the Word of God, and they're living to it in such a way that they don't have to feel guilty about the life that they're living. Uh, the deacon is the only one of these that has a qualification, part of their qualification also enters into the realm of their wife. Uh, when you vote for a deacon, you're not only voting for that deacon because of the efforts of that deacon, but you are also voting for them because of their wife. They also, their wife also has uh, qualifications. A deacon must have a wife who is also grave or serious minded about the things of God. They must have a wife that is not a slanderer according to the Word of God, that she is not malicious with her words, nasty with her words, if you will. Uh, she, she has, a, she has a, a tongue that is being used in a positive way, not a negative way. Uh, she is sober. That means she is calm, clear-headed, that she is not a hot-headed person. Uh, she's faithful in all things, the Bible says. And what, what an immense term that is in the Scriptures. It means that as you look at her life, you see nothing but faithfulness. Uh, the deacon, going back to the deacon himself now, uh, he is to be the husband of one wife. Now there's different people that interpret that different ways. As you nominate you, the Bible says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. I have what I believe and I've preached to you what I believe on that. Uh, but you go within the realm of your beliefs on that. Uh, I personally believe when the Bible talks about being the husband of one wife, I personally believe that it means that this man must, in the eyes of the Lord, be a one woman man, that they are, in, they are married uh, to one individual. I will say husband of one wife also leads us to believe that it cannot be a woman being ordained as a deacon and being nominated as a deacon. It's hard to be a husband of a wife. Uh, hard to be a husband if you're not a male. So uh, it does mean that it has to be a male. Uh, someone that rules his children in his house well. Someone that is bold in their faith. They're not ashamed of God. They're not ashamed of being called one of God's deacons. Uh, they, this, that all comes from the scripture in 1 Timothy 3. This comes from our bylaws. Uh, they must assist the pastor as uh, he shall request in the promoting of the spiritual welfare of the church. They must assist in conducting religious services. They, they, must, uh, uh, they must assist the pastor in performing all other works of the church, obviously as the pastor requests according to that there. Uh, he must, they must make provision for the ordinances of the church, that is baptism and the Lord's Supper. If asked by the pastor, they can consider applications for membership in cooperation with the pastor. It is they, they that in cooperation with the pastor makes a decision on how to disperse any benevolence funds that we give. That is well-being funds, funds to meet physical needs for folks. They help in that. And I have used, uh, I've used our deacons in the past for that. I don't believe that this year I've had to use Brother Jeremy for that, but I do remember in subsequent years having several meetings with Lewis Caldwell and Lewis Stankwitz about benevolence fund issues in accordance to our bylaws. They assist the pastor in visitation. They assist the pastor in all other evangelistic efforts of the church. They uh, will at times provide the pulpit supply if necessary. They act as leaders of the church in church meetings if there is no pastor. If, there, if, I, if I pass away or I resign the church, it is the deacons that will lead in church meetings from going forward. And then for legal purposes, they serve as the board of trustees for our church. Uh, they can make decisions on purchasing, leasing, acquiring, and selling property on behalf of the church. They can incur indebtedness upon uh, behalf of 
of the church. They can exercise all the powers necessary to dissolve the church if the church was ever to decide to do that. Minister of records, uh, a lot of this here uh, I believe is important for you to know. They keep records of church proceedings, but that's not all they do. Now that's a, that's a good bit of the job, um, but I want us to recognize that it's more than just that. A minister of records is someone who keeps the records. They keep the minutes for all of our business meetings. They write down what was voted on, who made the motion, who seconded the motion, uh, whether it was carried or whether it was tabled or whether it was said to be reviewed later on or whatever the case may be. Secondly, they keep a current record of the membership role. This minister of record is to know who's a member and who's not. They're to have a role of membership, uh, that they are to have a record of the certificates of baptisms that we've had. If we have a baptism, they're to know about it and have a record of it. Uh, ordination, when we give a certificate of ordination to someone we're sending, uh, whether whether we're sending out as a preacher uh, to do a work somewhere else, or whether it's a deacon ordination, we have a record of that. If we license a man to preach, we have a record for that. If we have some other kind of special commission, uh, they have a record of that. They keep track of all the documents. They preserve them. They keep them in the church office. They deliver them to any successor upon leaving office. They keep record of the special events in the life of the church that are of historical interest. They give a report at the end of the year annual business meeting on the status of the church membership for the past year. They are recognized as the secretary of the corporation and legal purpose. And then I put vision for 2023. All of our records at this point in terms of those minutes are handwritten. I want us to get those digitized within the next year. And so that's something that this person can help us with. Minister of Finance, pretty much all of this means uh, they, keep, they, they keep track of the funds for the church. They uh, write checks on behalf of the church. They dispense, uh, dispense funds on the, as the church directs, and they give a report at the end of the year. That's the Minister of Finance. Minister of Sunday School means that they supervise the Sunday school. They recognize, uh, excuse me, they recommend to the pastor the appointment of teachers of the Sunday school. If we have teachers' meetings, they're able to preside over those meetings. And then if they choose to, they give a report on the condition of the Sunday school in the, the meeting that we have at the end of every year. And then minister of hospitality in cooperation with the pastor, they appoint a sufficient number of assistants to care for the work of ushering and extend the official hospitality of the church to its members and visitors. This person is essentially a head usher and a chief greeter to all of our members and our visitors. And then envision for 2023, here's what I want this role to be become. Okay? Uh, not just a person in name, and Brother Cody has done a good job. If we re-elect Brother Cody, or we renominate Brother Cody, or whether we have someone else fill this position, this is what I want for you. Give me just two more minutes, and then uh, we'll be done. To this minister of hospitality, this person, to do their job effectively, they should be the first, one of the first people to arrive at the church so they can meet people on the way in. Uh, that they are uh, to, uh, that they and whoever their assistants are should seek to do what they can to make members and especially our visitors comfortable and welcome in our services. They will aid in seating if necessary. They will give instruction to visitors on any pertinent information, where the restrooms are, where the nursery is. Uh, they will offer up themselves as a liaison if a visitor has any questions or any needs while they are at the church. They help with passing out and collecting visitors' cards, and they make sure that those visitor cards get to me in order where we can follow up with those visitors. And to be honest, if we can get visitors' cards as early as possible, sometimes people don't fill them out, but if we can get them up here early, I would like to recognize our visitors from the pulpit if we can. But not that doesn't people don't, Brother Cody knows that better than anybody they don't always make that happen. But if we can do that, then that would be fantastic. So that is a large in tandem of what all of these positions entail from the Bible, from our bylaws, and from the rules that we have for church leadership. So here's what I want us to do this evening. I want us to take just a moment and I want us to have a word of prayer here in just a moment. But let me get a couple of folks to help me pass out these nomination, uh, uh, nomination sheets. <clears throat> and before we pass these out, I want, to get, I want to draw your attention to one thing. I do not want these to be passed in within the next 10 seconds of them appearing in your hand. 
if this is as serious enough that I have taken almost two hours today to describe to you how important this is, and this is us looking at the future of Beacon Baptist Church and our leaders and our ministry, I think we need to take it a little bit more seriously, be a little bit more prayerful, and consider for more than just a couple of seconds who we're going to put down and what we're going to think. Remember, you are to survey amongst your own body. You are to suggest. And then number three, here's the last one. I didn't give it. You're to submit. When these names come, we need to submit to the fact this is the will of the church. And then when we go to the election, we need to submit to the fact that the names that appear on that ballot that were created out of this time, that is the will of the church. And so if you're if the person that you nominated, don't get voted in for your position then we need to submit to the fact that it is the will of the church for this to happen, okay? That's what the Bible says. And by the way, that submission is Acts chapter number 6 and verse number 4, if you were wondering about that, okay? So there are instructions at the top uh, that give you a little, if you need some instruction there. But let's pass these out. Let's get these in your hand. If you're a member, you can vote. Uh, yeah, I will say this. if you, I don't know if we've got any young members here, uh, but if we do have some that are young, we do not have an age limit on on when you can do this. The only age limit in our bylaws is for voting on a pastor or buying and selling property. However, so here's what I'm going to do. Because of that space of ambiguity in our bylaws, I'm going to let the parents decide whether or not your teenager, your young person, uh, whether you want to allow them. If you think they'll be serious-minded enough to be able to cast a vote and let it be a serious spiritual vote, I'll leave that into the realm of the authority of the parents. Okay? Gentlemen, you can pass this out. And and when you get this in your hand, the first thing we're going to do before we write anything on a piece of paper is we're going to have a word of prayer. And let me say this as well. We are not going to put our names on these. I don't want to know who's nominating who for what. So do, we have, we've had issues with that every year. So I'm saying it clearly. Do not put your name on these papers. Okay. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Jesus, 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 Jesus.